I, it's a really interesting question, this one, my first memory. And I don't know if I have a particular image that comes to mind when I think about my first memory. But I do remember, maybe it was a little bit older, um, in one, one of my memories is thinking about school and thinking about, um, I, I remember sitting in my, my school classroom when I was in my primary school, so maybe seven or eight years old, <laughs> and then all of a sudden seeing a cow run past the window. And then a few moments later, seeing my dad running after the cow. And this was my school school playing yard. Um, and my dad was a farmer, is a farmer. And he has he had the field behind the schoolhouse. And a cow had escaped and jumped into the playing field and uh, was running around the yard. That's one of my, one of an early memory that I remembered recently. <laughs> <laughs> and whereabouts, where, where was it? Like, where were you at that time? I then? grew up in Shropshire, which is a very rural county um, in the West Midlands in England. Right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and tell us who you are and where are you now, and what are you working so, on, James? So my name is James Elsmore. I run a company called Island Innovation. Um, we work internationally to connect islands and other remote and rural communities together using technology. Last year, we hosted the Virtual Island Summit. We had over four thousand people. Uh, join us from islands all over the world and participate to share stories of how things are being done and how things could be done differently with the idea that many islands have a lot in common that they can learn mm -hmm. and share from each other and we wanted to really create a platform so that's that's the work I'm engaged in now is creating this platform and, and today I'm actually calling you from Medellin in Antioquia, Colombia um, oh, wow. although In, within the next week, although I don't ex know exactly which day, the British government has told me there will be a flight back to the UK. But uh, obviously, mm. there's not many flights coming in and out right now. So at some point, I'll go back to the UK, but I'm not sure exactly when. <laughs> Very interesting. And can you tell us a little bit more about this uh, initiative that you have? So you're yeah. working with uh, islands anywhere in the world, like the Caribbean, the What what Absolutely. regions have uh, yeah have been you know have you been working with? We have a particularly strong presence and connections in the Caribbean, um, and and also in the Scottish Islands. Um, I actually studied my masters in island studies in the Orkney Isles in the far north of Scotland, um, and I was doing this while working on projects in the Caribbean. Have previously to that, I've been lucky enough to visit the Pacific and do a research project. My background was renewable energy. So I was researching renewable energy and I was lucky enough to visit Fiji, Tuvalu, Samoa, and Niue in the Pacific Islands. Wow. Um, That's amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was so lucky to have these amazing opportunities. Wow. And then obviously there are commonalities within the Pacific, within different islands, but also between the Pacific and the Caribbean. Um, but then people often, and, and those groups, the Pacific Islands, the Caribbean Islands are known as SIDS, Small Island Developing States. But then seeing the, the conversations that were happening in Scotland, I actually realized there was a lot in common there. Energy is an obvious one, looking at sustainable energy sources and research, um, but also transportation links, service provision, mm, yeah. um, 
d- developing an economy in somewhere that many people would consider peripheral has its own challenges. And so how do you usefully create information? Because these islands are very divided. Even if you take a region like the Pacific or the Caribbean, absolutely, you have, you have independent countries like Fiji, like Jamaica, that are, are kind of one group. Then you have territories like New Caledonia or Puerto Rico or uh, Reunion in the Indian Ocean. Yeah. And um, there's a difficulty with those different types of, of political statuses to interact with each other. Then you have the kind of the lower level, which is places like the Florida Keys or, or Norfolk Island um, or, or Shetland and Orkney in Scotland, which are kind of municipalities of a larger country. And so there's all these different political levels, and that often means it creates barriers for islands to and island communities to interact and, and engage with each other. So what we try and do is really build bridges, I like to say, build digital mm. bridges yeah. between these island communities to share information, share stories, and allow them to, to interact. Because being physically remote or physically isolated these days uh, with the internet things have completely changed. And we were doing this before the current uh, pandemic. Right. And of course, now we're really seeing the, the our, our ideas coming true and the opportunities to use digital communication. Beautiful. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like, I've been lucky to have lived in the Caribbean and now I'm living in the Pacific region. So I definitely see what you mean when, uh, when you say that uh, there's a... Um, there's uh, different island profiles, political um, uh, identities that are quite different as well, uh, and uh, and yeah, that's that's amazing. Also, the, the people that are going to solve uh, the interconnectivity of islands, people like you working on that, that is 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 a huge uh, thing. It's I think it's quite relevant <laughs> work. <laughs> Well, thank you. We're, we're, we're trying. And I think it's important when we think about the idea of sustainability, you know, there's, there's, there's the geographic separation, the political separation. And then the other thing we try and do is involve different sectors of the community. So we obviously want the government to be talking about their efforts, but then the private sector, NGOs, um, universities, how do we get all these different types of organizations to work with each other and to, to collaborate? Um, the other thing I was going to say on the on the distance level is if you look at a region like the Pacific or like the Caribbean, it's often so expensive to travel between islands. Like sometimes it can be cheaper for me to get from London to Barbados than from Barbados to Jamaica. There's Absolutely. All these, um, high costs with transport, also political difficulties. Often you need to travel flew, through Miami between the Caribbean islands to yeah. get anywhere, but you mm. obviously need a US visa to be able to do that, and that's not available to many people. So using the internet allows us to kind of bypass all of these geographical restrictions and really create a community that that has a lot in common with each other and and can learn from each other. As you say, you've seen that from your experiences living on islands also. Yeah, that's amazing, James. Really, it's it's really, really interesting thing you you guys are doing. And uh, you also mentioned that you are... um, uh, more in the the renewable energy kind of se- sector is that that correct that, that well, you work with out in that sector yeah now i try and kind of build across sustainable development so right. energy water transport because everything is interlinked especially on a small island yeah and would you say um that 
renewable energies are developing uh, at a good sp- uh, at a good pace uh, or, or 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 a desirable pace uh, in these islands. Like is it? I think yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of islands are at the forefront of renewable energy. And there's two real reasons for that. One is a practical level. Actually, islands have some of the highest electricity costs in the world. So an example I'm very familiar with, Jamaica. Jamaicans pay, on average, four times more than Americans for their, for their electricity, just, just that they pay to the utility company. And that's on an island where the average population um, has an income of one-tenth. So Jamaicans earn one-tenth of what Americans pay, but yet they're paying four times more for electricity. Yeah. And that story is common. I'm sure you have expensive electricity Absolutely. in Caledonia also, but it's common across many island communities of very expensive electricity costs. Um, and so, therefore, there's an incentive to look for cheaper ways. And, and in these cases, renewable energy is almost always the cheaper way, whether it's solar, wind, a combination. So you're seeing some really advanced energy projects happening around the Caribbean and on other islands, um, even back into the... Uh, for the last 20 years, there have been island communities that have been ahead of the curve on, on using renewables. And so, so it makes financial sense for them to do that. Um, but also there is an environmental value that these communities often do have a deep connection with the environment. Um, on a local level, they want to use the most, the, the, the most sustainable options um, that, that are not damaging their local environment. Yeah. But also for, for SIDS countries, they are the most vulnerable to the effects of climate change. Climate change, and yeah. Even if the efforts to reduce emissions are insignificant compared to the US or China or mm. India, they want to lead by example and they want to say, yes, we know that our emissions are insignificant, but if we can do it, you can do it too. So you're seeing a lot of um, islands in the Pacific particularly taking on that challenge and saying, we want to use renewables because we know it's the right thing to do and we can show you it's the right thing to do. Um, while also, you know, it makes it makes sense for them. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's just amazing. And uh, like, what do you imagine for the future? Um, uh, what impact are you trying to make? Like, what would be the ideal uh, bridges that you would like to create in this? Uh, you know. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I understand. It's we. We have our virtual island summit coming up in September, and this year we're making a real effort to be more inclusive and diverse in our in our participation. I mean, as I said, we had last year four thousand people from over two hundred islands, uh, but this year we're aiming for ten thousand and uh, participants. We mm. want to really encourage a wide diversity of sectors to be involved, but also we want to engage. Well, I think one thing that we didn't do well enough last year was engagement with the Pacific, partly because. Uh, my team and our a lot of our attendees were in the Caribbean or Europe, so we were a little bit biased towards those regions. Sure. We made a lot of connections this year with the Pacific, and we're looking to have some really good participation there, um, showcase some exciting projects happening in the Pacific. Yeah, oh, um, wow, okay. And we've also started an ambassadors program, so maybe something that you might want to look into, but we've had, uh, we have over 100 ambassadors um, from different islands all around the world, living or, or from those communities. And that's going to help us take these, because, because otherwise the conversations, they're happening at a very global level, they're not connected to particular places. Hmm. So how do we try and make these, these, these international conversations 
and help people translate them into action for their local locally yeah yeah well yeah that's that's really really interesting and um have you find what new opportunities uh do you have now that you didn't have a month ago uh so this can be you know uh in a personal level professional both absolutely well our well the, the business has taken a dramatic shift like most businesses i think mm. in the last month um we're adapting to this strange new world we're looking for solutions and on the one hand we lost several contracts of companies that just did that, that all of a sudden had to cut back and marketing is often the first thing to go in those cases and we were helping them with communication and marketing Mm. Um, but on the other hand, we already had this experience doing virtual events from, from last year because sure. we saw this as a, as, a, as a trend that was happening already. And there are huge benefits to doing virtual events. So we actually had all this expertise and, and, and we were all of a sudden really in demand for people looking at holding their own virtual events. And so we've had, we, we had to figure out how do we cope with this demand. And so I launched a course. I've now got 40 students who are looking to organize their own events, who are participating in a course, which has been an amazing experience. Um, and we've been working with a couple of other organizations who have commissioned us to help them run their events because I think people don't realize the amount of work. It's, it's easy to hold an online event, but it's not easy to do a good job and to make sure that your audience is engaged people want to participate, et cetera. So, so it does require more work than sometimes people realize. Right. Um, and as you said, me, yeah. Is, Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, just, and as you said, you have some experience there as well. So you have, uh, it's not like you are starting now because of the, of the um, uh, context, but you have some experience there so you can, you know, share with, with your students. Well, exactly, and I think for us, with with our with our virtual events, um, you know, having having that experience has uh, it's it's beyond just the summit last year. I mean, we've been running webinars, we've been building a virtual platform over the last few years, so we've got multiple angles there of experience of just seeing how people interact um, online. But my whole idea is really that virtual events are a long term trend. I don't think they will ever replace in person mm. events. Of course, we still want that in person experience sometimes. But it allows us to connect with people and, and form networks that are far beyond our, our own circle. So I think right, yeah. this, this year is really just accelerating a trend that was happening. Exactly. Yeah. Year. Yeah. I can I can see what you what you what you're saying. And uh, I do think as well that if you uh, hadn't integrated um, a, a virtual community in your life, this is when 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 it is happening, right? Like people, a lot of people are we're all going from you know from from social distance to uh, virtual social connections and uh, for example i don't know like in even uh, i i am someone that uh, you know i interact a lot with people and i have a, a community here in, in new caledonia uh, and um, and but I mean, since the lockdown, I've been attending to so many interesting trainings and events and and live calls uh, online, you know. And and I do think that uh, this is a tendency that we're going to that that is that is going to pursue in in time. Well, and I think one of the biggest benefits is 
the, the level of participation that you can have. I mean, in, in our events, it's not uncommon that we've had panels with, for example, someone from New Caledonia, someone from Hawaii, someone yeah. from Iceland, someone from Jamaica, someone from Mauritius, you know, these really, really distant places. Now, if I wanted to do that event in person, I'd need $20,000 budget just for the flights right. <laughs> to get those people in the same room. It yeah. would be practical, especially if we were talking about climate change as our, as our topic. So it, it, they just made sense for us. And I think the level of um, the, the participation and reaching new people but beyond just geography, I mean, for us, obviously, we have these many remote communities, so it's about their level of participation. But participation for a single parent who can't travel because they've got kids to look after, or a disabled person who also might not be able to travel, um, or even just small community groups that can benefit a lot from taking part in global conversations but would not have the funds to travel halfway across the world to go to an event. So I think it's it's that level of enabling that participation is a huge benefit and what's exciting now is seeing all these new solutions and companies coming along and and being forced to innovate so the solutions available now are so much better than last year because all of a sudden all these companies realize they need to adapt to virtual events and are providing technology to 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 make it better so i think by next year the technology will have evolved hugely forced by the stressful situation we're in now right <laughs> Yeah, and can you um, think of a great success that you've had, that you have encountered? A great success, okay. Um, well, I guess I already mentioned the summit. That's my that's my biggest thing right now is organizing this event and yeah. and, and, and involving people there. But um, and the, I think... Yeah, can you, can you just uh, tell us a little uh, again or, or remind us or repeat the numbers there and, uh, and, uh, and, and also um, what countries were represented? So last year we had 4,000 speakers, um, sorry, 4,000 attendees, 100 speakers, <laughs> um, and over 200, 250, I think, islands represented. And as I said, a lot of those were from the Caribbean and from Scotland, but from the from the Arctic, we had the Canadian Arctic represented, um, the cross right across the Pacific Islands, the Philippines, Japan, um, small islands in the Indian Ocean. Um, it, so so it's 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 island countries, uh, but yeah. also countries with islands. You know, there's a lot of countries that have island communities across Africa, Europe, Asia. Um, so it was really, really diverse. And some people are coming in from an island with 100 people. Some people were coming in from Jamaica, which has 4 million people. So clearly there's a lot of diversity as well, but there were still all these commonalities that we could thread through the whole right. experience. Excellent. Really. And um, can you tell us about any challenges then that you encountered? <laughs> yeah, plenty, plenty of challenges. Um, my... Well, we, be, pop, pop, my, my lifestyle right now is that I didn't want to be connected to a certain place. Uh, I didn't want to be tied, tied right down to a certain place because I've been able to get a lot from traveling around while I've been working. Mm -hmm. So I've been, the last, uh, last two, two, three years, I've really been living as a, as a digital nomad, uh, which has mean I've been able to spend time in the UK where I'm from, but also spend months at a time in the Caribbean and in, in, in Colombia like I am now. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean moving every week, but moving over over periods of periods of time, um, staying in places for a while. So I think a challenge has been 
Um, so some people are kind of skeptical about that because I've been moving around uh, so much. But still, you know, we, we've, we've been able to build a team with six people all in different countries, um, all working from different places. And, and actually, in the situation we're in now, we were at a huge advantage because our team were already easily able to operate with no transition um, to working from home. Yeah, yeah, I, I love what you're saying. And you know, you know what, I think that this is a model that uh, also it's, I don't know how to say it, it's kind, it, it kind of fits an ideal situation today. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that I, my guess is that as soon as we are all going to be able to get out of our houses, I think people are going to rush into traveling. Like, uh, if you <laughs> if you've been holding up to this travel dream for a while, I think as soon as you're going to be able to get out of your house, first thing you're going to do is grab a ticket and go see the world. And and then you know it makes so much sense the the virtual the the collaborative tools. The, the the digital nomadism as well i mean it's 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 a model that that makes a lot of sense i think and also yeah, I, and it, yes and it's an interesting one for ireland because they can actually now in, in a way that you know even 10 years ago it would be difficult to live in a small island community and have a choice in careers you have to do the the the, the jobs that are available locally. But now you can do most jobs or many jobs from anywhere in the world. And so it's it's really changing the, our mentality as as in business. How yeah. do we work in this? Our models. Our models, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and James, if you had a, an advice to your 18-year-old self, well, what would you, what would it be? I um I mean personally I think I needed I I needed to have more conviction in myself. I often uh, have doubted myself, doubted my uh, my uh my decisions. I know growing up an 18-year-old me had a tendency to do that and uh so I think inspiring myself to be a bit more confident in the decisions that I'm making um and following through with those would be would be something that I would have liked. But at the same time, a bit of self doubt is there's nothing wrong with a bit of self doubt. Um, people who who don't doubt themselves at all uh, also have their own issues as well. But uh, I, yeah, that would be something. Yeah, I mean, and, and who has been uh, self assured at 18 years old, right? <laughs> I don't know. Well, if, if someone I mean, is, is too self assured, then. Uh, yeah, they probably uh, probably comes back to bite them later. Yeah, I mean, and self assurance and sh- sorry, self assurance and self kindness, if you if you want, uh, are things that really comes with uh, maturity as well, right? It's just it's a it's a, it's a lesson that comes with a couple of years. You know, <laughs> you need to have a couple of years in your back before you start being kind with yourself and uh <laughs> and be- before you you have proven yourself to yourself that you know you, you're capable of um, of doing what you need to do. So <laughs> yeah exactly. Mm. And uh James can you tell us about um I don't know, any resource uh, that you would recommend for people to check out um, in the next couple of weeks? 
resources on anything in particular or just something to expand their mind? Anything, but whatever you want. Something of okay. your choice. Well, of course, I'm, I'm going to plug the, my own resources that I, uh, I, I provide huh. for all yeah. my sites. So would encourage them to sign up to the Virtual Island Summit. Just go to virtualislandsummit.com to, to sign up. And on our website, we also have lots of blog posts, um, past recordings of webinars, things like that. So if you're interested in islands or sustainability, then do check out our website. We have tons of resources there um, and on social media as well, which I think uh, would be of interest to your listeners. Great. And the, and the, the website will be also uh, on the show notes, so people will be able to find them there. Excellent. Um, if you could send the world an email right now, James, what would you say? What would you say to people? I would love, I, I, I hope people can stay positive. I know uh, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing to, to do right now with everything that's happening. Um, but I think, uh, I think the next couple of months are going to be hard, you know, particularly some countries more than others. But I'd just love for, the, for us to see like this, despite all of the horrible things that are happening, there will be some positive changes that come out of it, um, however small they might be. So, if they, so look at this situation and say, okay, how can we help everyone in society to move forward, use the positive examples where we can, and in the meantime, kind of minimize the, the suffering and the, the damage for those that can't avoid it as much as possible.